Good afternoon, everyone. My friends, uh, I say this for those who will be listening online to the homily. I want to assure everyone um, of our prayers and that we are all united in this uh, time. And I want to assure everyone uh, that in this Catholic Archdiocese, uh, Archbishop Achen and his auxiliary bishops and all the priests of this diocese are celebrating Mass. We have to do so in private, meaning uh, no people to be present or very few. And, uh, but the Mass is being celebrated. My friends, in our first reading, uh, we hear about uh, God's people who are in the desert, the Israelites, and they are grumbling to Moses about God. And they're asking for something. And what we see is God does. They're grumbling and they're angry at God, and God gives them uh, what they have asked for. He gives them sustenance for their bodies. They wanted food. They wanted drink in this particular reading for today. They wanted drink, and they got water. In our second reading, St. Paul is talking about a, uh, the essence of our gospel reading. He said, uh, Jesus and only Jesus is our salvation. Through his sacrifice and his sacrifice alone will we have eternal life. And he said, and he will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give us who are thirsty for faith, who are thirsty to be in relationship with God. The Holy Spirit will allow this and pour our grace upon us. And then in our gospel, we have a very, very famous uh, uh, reading, the woman at the well. In today's gospel, Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee, this area known as Palestine, and it consisted of three provinces, Judea to the south in which Jerusalem was located, Samaria in the middle, and Galilee in the north. Traveling from Judea to Galilee directly through Samaria uh, took three days. However, the Jews and Samaritans hated each other, uh, and the Jews certainly despised them, considered them to be heretics and traitors. Samaria was once a Jewish province, uh, but the Assyrian exiles saw many Jews there deported and replaced with exiles from other lands. And uh, those Jews who remained then intermarried with the pagans, the Gentiles. They lost their religious footings, and, uh, well, in that time, their racial purity is how they would have said it. And soon they found themselves then at odds with the Jews of the southern kingdom. To avoid contact with the Samaritans, most Jews traveling from Judea to Galilee would cross the Jordan to the east, uh, skirting Samaria, trying to avoid it, and then head right into Galilee, making their journey six days instead of three. <laughs> um, for Jesus to go straight through Samaritan territory, suggests he did so deliberately and with reason. Jesus is tired, we're told, and he comes upon Jacob's well, very famous to all that area. Jesus stops and rests. Then a woman comes to draw water from the well at a very unusual time, in midday, uh, when it is very hot. And Jesus does something completely unusual, uh, in their time, he asks this woman who he does not know for a drink. My friends, often when Jesus desires to confer a favor, he asks for one first. Go back and read. You'll see that this is true. In this moment, we then find the divine one, Jesus, dealing with what we will find out later is a sinner. Jesus asks for a drink, and in doing so, He's putting himself in a position of need with her. 
This disarms her uh, because she is a Samaritan, knows that she is hated. Uh, but it, it disarms her. And cleverly, Jesus, he finds something very in common with her. <laughs> water. Cold water on a hot day. This is a lesson for all of us about finding the common denominator when dealing with others, especially others of different faiths and practices. Remember that even through their particular ways, we can lead them to the one true God. Remember, she's a Gentile, and Jesus knows this, and he's guiding her. He's what he's doing. He's guiding her right now. The woman chides Jesus by asking how he, a Jew, could ask a Samaritan considered to be an enemy for a drink of water. Uh, and uh, in this, Jesus moves away years of prejudice and bigotry between them. And, but this attitude blinds, in this moment, has blinded the Samaritan woman from the truth of the one true God. And Jesus' response is, if you only knew the gift of God waiting to be stowed upon you, if you only knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you the fountain of living waters. If you only knew, Jesus says, true knowledge would blot out ignorance of bigotry and prejudice. If you knew, our Lord says to her, if you knew, you would ask and he would give you the fountain of living waters. It would be a gift, is what we're told, something that humanity was not entitled to by nature. The wisdom of our Lord, he uses an analogy of nature to confer a great spiritual truth, water. For the divine things and things that are eternal is too much for our little minds. And yet, here we see it. She does not understand what he's talking about. She thinks he's meaning fresh water, running water, as opposed to the stale water in the well. She chides Jesus by saying, the well is deep and you don't even have a bucket uh, that is necessary to draw from it. Almost, you can imagine her laughing at him. She continues by asking Jesus, are you greater? Um, actually, uh, in the Greek, are you greater than Abraham? <laughs> and who gave us the well? And Jacob, who used the well because Jacob himself could not get any water. If you study scriptures, you'll read it's so much richer what's going on. And Jesus replies, all who drink of this water will thirst again. But the one who drinks the water I will give will never thirst for it will cause a wellspring of living water to well up inside of them, like a fountain of living water unto life everlasting. Here our Lord conveys the truth that all earthly joys will have to be repeated. You're going to have to drink that water because you're going to get thirsty again and again. But then he says, but the water I give will be from inside of you, not from outside pleasures. For the fountain comes from heaven itself. And once it is in your soul, it causes such sweetness that it will drive your soul back to heaven. So much going on in this conversation. She only stands, she understands only a little as she asks for the water so she doesn't have to come back to the well. 
That's how we know she didn't understand. Give it to me so I don't have to come back here again. And Jesus, having guided her to this point, he does something very, well, it's not funny, but it is. He changes the subject on her. And he confronts her without any judgment about her sinful ways. He says, go tell your husband. Why did he do that? Because he is the divine searcher of hearts, and he knew what was in her heart. He knew everything about her and about her past. He did this because before that fountain of living water could ever be for her, her sins had to be removed because before she could come to an understanding of what he was speaking about, she would have to change her behavior. Her response to his command, I have no husband. And Jesus, so kind, says, you have spoken truthfully, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are living with now is not your husband. He commends her for speaking the truth. When you read it, go back and read the fuller reading. He's actually commending her. You have spoken truthfully to me. He does not condemn her. He does not belittle her, but rather finds a way to make her statement a true confession by telling her that she has spoken truthfully. Now, of course, you can only imagine how uncomfortable she is, which has always stuck with me and made me laugh every time. He said she's so uncomfortable, and she does exactly what you and I would do in the same situation. And she did what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus changes the subject from the living water. She changes the subject also. She does so by saying that she understands, oh, you are a prophet. Bishop Sheen went on to say, uh, that she is not concerned about the prophecy about her many husbands <laughs> and her immoral ways. But she figures, well, this man is a prophet. I'm going to pose a question that has been troubling our tribes for a long time. And so she poses a theological question, and one that has divided their people for a long time. And she asks, where and what place does one rightly worship God? For the Jews, it's Jerusalem. For the Samaritans, it was Mount Jerusalem. And Jesus says to her, it is neither place. That would have probably been shocking hmm? to be the fly in the rock there listening to that conversation. Neither place. And he says, God is spirit. Moreover, Jesus replies, the hour is coming, meaning the hour of his death, when people will worship at neither place, but in and through the person of Jesus himself is what he's meaning. From that time on, true worship will no longer be centered in a particular place, but rather in a person. And the true adorers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, Jesus says. It is not a place so much as uh, our matters, but an understanding, Jesus is getting at, is how do you understand God? He desires your love. And he says, they will adore God, Father. And where it will be insignificant. And if God is Father, then we must be His children. 
So much going on in this conversation. And people will worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus will later say that he is the truth. And that he would send his spirit who would teach all things. Remember the conversation that they had earlier. If people then come to this understanding, and this message is for us today, we come to this understanding about God, the Father, then people, his children, can truly become one family, finally. And finally give Jesus what he has always asked. Father, that they be one, as you and I are one. In that conversation, remember, Jesus says, the hour is coming. She says to him, I know. I know the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will teach us everything. And then to her amazement, Jesus says, I am he, the one who is coming into this world. Everything that every heart had longed for, everything, every thirst to be satisfied now, hundreds of years, Everything comes to that moment at Jacob's well for a Samaritan woman. And she comes to believe. In that short time of knowing him, the woman believes, whereas the disciples, in the longer reading, they've gone to the store <laughs> and they are coming back with food. This woman in that short period of time with Jesus comes to believe, whereas the disciples who have been with him for so long and have seen his signs, as John would put them, still do not know who he is and are timid about testifying about him. The woman, she is ready to testify. The woman, we are told in the longer reading, she leaves her bucket and takes off for the city. And here, um, there's always great detail with John. Why did she leave her bucket? Because she came for water. And scripture scholars say it is likely a symbol that she no longer wanted any of the earthly pleasures that Jesus was referring to. She wanted much more. And then, with John, there's always something more and interesting in it. And here it is. Why is the woman alone drawing water at noon in the midday sun when it is very hot and all the other women of the village do not come at that time? They come in the morning together or they come in the evening together. She is there alone because the women of her town consider her to be a prostitute, an adulterer, a great sinner, a tainted woman, and they want nothing to do with her. Nothing. That is why she is alone in the middle of the day getting water. Bishop Sheen says, the woman goes back to town without her bucket. And when she gets there, 
He said, who do you think that she tells about the Messiah? She tells the men of the town, not the women, <laughs> to get back at them <laughs> for being gossiping old biddies. <laughs> she tells the men she has found the teacher. Bishop Sheen went further. He said, she tells only all the old boyfriends, which is all of them in the town. <laughs> He asked us to picture the woman as she comes out of the city to return to Jesus with all the men of Samaria following her. This time on a path to righteousness where before perhaps they led because of what we understand about her that she had led, led them down a different path from her poor behavior. But my friends, we find out in a longer reading, even then, the men are ungrateful to her uh, because they tell her, not because of your testimony, your word, but because we have seen with our own eyes the Messiah, that they come to believe. And so it was. They came to believe in Jesus. And that's what matters. The people of the town invite him in. For John means they accepted him. They invited him into their hearts and into their soul. He stayed with them for two days and taught them much more. And out of Samaria, Samaria that town, for the first time, a title is written about of Jesus, one that belongs to him and him alone. Savior. Savior of all humanity. In our words, in English, Savior of the world. My friends, the reason why Jesus went through Samaria was that Samaria was ready to hear the word of God, the one true God. The story of the Samaritan woman is a beautiful reminder of the universal mission of Jesus, of the very power and love of God's grace to work through any person or many people for the very salvation of the world.